spoiler alert, I finished the book before this recording and I'm actually prepared. Can you even imagine? I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. On today's episode, it's time for our book report, and we will be reviewing the book Spark by John J. Rady. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. And I'm ready to get down to talking about this book, and I really liked it. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I will do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I'll be playing along too, and as we take on a new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. Before we get into our monthly challenge, I just want to say welcome to episode lucky 13. And also, milestone alert, our little podcast passed the 1000 downloads mark last week. Yay! Yay! So to all of you listening, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Jenny and I would love it if you would please think about someone in your life who you feel would benefit from this info and then show them how to listen to podcasts and this one in particular. We found that, or at least I found that when I mention it, a lot of times people don't really know how to listen to a podcast and there's a little bit of a a learning curve to figuring out where's the app and how do you make it work. So if you know somebody in your world that doesn't know how to listen to podcasts, show them how. Pay it forward for us. That would be that would be super. All right, our monthly challenge for September is to get your body moving daily. We are pretty easygoing on what that entails. We are challenging each other and you to do some form of exercise or movement every day for the entire month. Being consistent is more important than duration or intensity of the exercise. As you may recall, Jenny was less than motivated to get going on this challenge. Let's check in and see how she's doing when we are almost three weeks in. Jenny? Well, I mean, yeah, I got off to a rough start with this challenge in general for this month. And I got sidelined a bit by the stomach flu last week, as some of our listeners, um, unfortunately, I, you know, had to share that information with them. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was frustrating to lose the streak because I love having a streak going of like every day. Um, But as soon as I was feeling well, I started again with like some walking, like I kind of eased back into it. And soon I was back into lifting weights as well. In fact, I was just about an hour ago. Nice. Um, Well, I've been doing pretty well too, with movement at least every day, but the craziness of the family wedding and then vacation time for a few days was not ideal to do what I had planned. Uh, But I'm definitely back on track now. Uh, because I've reassimilated into the real world again. But the big thing that I did last week when I was on vacation, instead of doing my planned exercise, was at the cottage that we were at, they had at least 100 steps from the cottage down to the lake. And I had to go up and down probably 10 or 15 times every day. And I was like having like the huff and puff big time by the time I got to the top. So it was an excellent little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, interval to go up and down that hill. Oh, I would have fully thought of that of exercise. Like to me, that would be yes, check, check. Well, and it was for me for three days in a row. So oh um, I was pleased that there was at least that that was required in order to, you know, the vacation required going up and down the hill a bunch of times. So exercise built in. Great. Well done. 
Um, I've also been sharing my daily exercise or movement in our Facebook group. So if you'd like to join the group and let us know what exercise you've been up to, search for the Improvement Project on Facebook and join in to get some extra accountability. I'll put a link to the group in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. All right, now it's time for the week that we've been waiting for. It's our book report. So as we mentioned earlier this month and earlier in the podcast, our book is Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain by John J. Rady, MD. Here's what the publisher has to say about the book. A groundbreaking and fascinating investigation into the transformative effects of exercise on the brain from the best-selling author and renowned psychiatrist John J. Rady, MD. Did you know that you can beat stress, lift your mood, fight memory loss, sharpen your intellect, and function better than ever by simply elevating your heart rate and breaking a sweat? The evidence is incontrovertible. Incontrovertible. (laughs) That was a big one. You got it. Aerobic exercise physically remodels our brains for peak performance. In Spark, John J. Rady, MD, embarks upon a fascinating and entertaining journey through the mind-body connection, presenting startling research to prove that exercise is truly our best defense against everything from depression to ADD to addiction to aggression to menopause to Alzheimer's. Filled with amazing case studies, such as the revolutionary fitness program in Naperville, Illinois, which has put this school district of 19,000 kids first in the world of science test scores. Spark is the first book to explore comprehensively the connection between exercise and the brain. It will change forever the way you think about your morning run, or for that matter, simply the way you think. All right. So for me, this book was pretty cool. It got a bit into the weeds when it came to neuroscience and some of the um, details that were more specific about science. But uh, you were saying, Jenny, that despite that, you still had some good takeaways and you thought that he wrote it in a way that was still easy to read. Oh, like I think it, it was written in a way that I found interesting, even though like truthfully, this type of content is not my jam. Like, this is not the type of subject matter that's interesting to me, but he wrote it in a way like his writing style was a way that kept me engaged in it and that I found interesting. And of course, there were topics that I found personally interesting as well. Okay, cool. So uh, some takeaways for me, Um, basically the exercise is often thought as a way to make your body stronger or more fit or help you lose weight. And that's what people think about first when they think about doing exercise. But in this book, he talks about the fact that exercise makes your brain healthier. And that's not really the first place most people go when they think about exercise. So Mm -hmm. he, he describes it as the single most powerful tool that you have to optimize your brain function. So the thing that brought this together for me, and you can tell I'm excited. I was geeking out hard on this book. The thing that brought it for I can see it with you right now. There's a vibration happening. So what it brought to what it brought it together for me was how he described, and this is what I tell my patients every day, that we are designed to move. Um, and it's stamped into our DNA. So the human species is an endurance predator. And that means that back in the day, our hunter-gatherer ancestors were in constant motion. They were foraging for food or chasing antelope for hours and days across the plains. So our genes are coded for this activity, and our brains evolved to make us better at it so we could survive. So if you take out this activity that we are designed to do, this movement, if you disrupt this delicate biological balance that was fine-tuned over a half a million years, then we start to get into trouble. So, and what that means is in modern day culture in 2018, we are rewarded for sitting still in a chair. 
And in almost every case, that's we're rewarded by getting a paycheck, which is the complete opposite of what our hunter-gatherer ancestors were doing when they were running across the plains chasing antelope. So we can get into some troubles with our health as a result. With that whole starting point where movement is stamped into our DNA, it makes sense that the structures and the hormones and the chemical reactions in our brain respond very well to movement, even now in modern culture, and keep us healthy. So it also makes sense in a time when we're not moving very much that we are going to be getting sick. So here's some of the things that he talked about that movement and exercise, especially raising your heart rate, will help with. Um, and this is where I was geeking out big time on the neuroscience. So as Jenny said, you can get through this part of the book just sort of with the takeaways of knowing that exercise is good for these particular afflictions that human beings are more and more dealing with in 2018. So uh, exercise has a measurable positive effect on learning. So exercise primes your brain to take in information and retain it. Um, <laughs> exercise helps with stress. It helps with anxiety. It helps with depression. Um, so there's some studies that show that for many types of depression, exercise works just as well as antidepressant medications. And that's fascinating to me because I think that especially in a medical model where a medical doctor doesn't have a lot of tools available, it's probably really difficult to sit down with somebody and convince them that they need to exercise, especially if they're in a place where they're not motivated to do anything. So that's a big reason why the go-to is usually the medication, but just knowing that medication along with the exercise or the exercise on its own can be helpful was kind of um, enlightening as I read the book. So that was pretty cool. Um, attention deficit problems can be uh, very much um, mitigated by using exercise and addiction, which I also found interesting. Um, it, so addiction is related to dopamine and that is, uh, is it goes up when your um, reward centers light up. And so addiction is very involved with that. So exercise helps to stimulate in a production of dopamine, which basically allows for you to not have the need for whatever the addiction is. And you can, in a lot of cases, some addicts will trade one addiction for the other, meaning they'll trade the bad thing like cocaine or smoking or gambling for exercise. And most people would agree that in almost every case, it's trading it for a good addiction. So all of this I loved. And then as much as I loved it, uh, and I was totally nerding out, uh, when he started talking about hormonal changes in aging, my ears really perked up. And the reason being is that's more relevant for me personally, because I'm coming into the sort of that perimenopausal in a few years, menopause time. And also aging is something that I think about for my parents, but also for me as I'm starting to get a little bit older. And so it was a bit of a wake up call and also fascinating. So, mm -hmm. um, he cites studies that show that exercise will ease the symptoms of menopause and the transition through menopause and also premenstrual syndrome as well for those people who are suffering there. This thing I thought was amazing. So they did a study in sedentary people age 60 to 79. So a lot of times people think that once you're at, at past age 40, it's pretty much downhill and you might as well not even bother. And when you're 60 or 70, you'd think to yourself, well, what's exercise going to do for me? And how is it going to, in particular, help my brain? So this study, um, they took 59 sedentary people ranging in age from 60 to 79, and they divided them into two groups that went to the gym three times a week for one hour over the course of six months. And in that time, they took a control group. So half of them that just did stretching and half of them walked on the treadmills. So the only variable in these people was that fitness, just walking on the treadmill. And what they found was at the end of the six months, there was a 16% improvement in their oxygen consumption or their VO2 max. And that's uh, the ability of the lungs to 
process oxygen. So that alone was cool. But then it got really interesting when they did MRI scans before and after. And it showed that the people that did the fitness had an increase in brain volume in their frontal and temporal lobes. So their brains got bigger at 60 to 79 years old. Everybody thinks that when you're getting older, your brain's just shrinking and it's not good for anything and off you go downhill. Well, guess what? No, it doesn't. When you exercise, you can actually make your brain bigger. And your frontal lobe has to do with, um, basically, it's like taking in all the information and it's like the... um, the director or the conductor that says, oh, this is what's happening next. So the prefrontal cortex is like all your higher functioning. And then the temporal lobe, um, it's our mental dictionary. It's the area where you kind of like get all your words from. So if you have a word on the tip of your tongue and you've lost it, that's the temporal lobe not doing very well. And that's happens at the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. So when you can improve your frontal lobe and your temporal lobe with exercise over only six months and actually improve, increase the volume of your brain, amazing. So that's incredible. I, I was just blown away by that. And I just wanted to share that because it was so cool. And then this other one, I actually felt emotional when I read this one, because I think probably because I have um, in my family, family history of senile dementia. So this is where my brain perked up with, okay, well, you know, exercise can be helpful in this way to prevent um, and potentially reverse some of these things. So uh, on page 243 of the book, if, if you're reading along at home, Um, This has to do with a a nun named Sister Bernadette. She died of a heart attack at age 85 in the mid-1990s. And she had, along with more than 600 other nuns, donated her brain to science as part of an ongoing study. So the nuns constantly challenged their minds with vocabulary quizzes, mental puzzles, and debates about public issues. And many of them lived to be 100 or more. The interesting thing about Sister Bernadette is that she scored in the 90th, sorry, 90th percentile on cognitive tests right up until she died. But when her brain was examined post-mortem, it showed massive damage from Alzheimer's disease. Tissue from her hippocampus to her cortex was riddled with plaque and neurofibrillary tangles to the most extensive degree, and she also carried the ApoE4 gene variant. And that's the gene that if you have that gene, you're more likely to have Alzheimer's disease. So in other words, she should have been utterly lost to the ravages of dementia, yet despite the damage in her brain, she remained mentally sharp. So the, the author of the study points to the notion of cognitive reserve as a possible explanation. This is the brain's ability to adapt and compensate for damage by recruiting other areas to help with tasks. By teaching until a late age and staying mentally active, Sister Bernadette almost certainly trained her brain to work around the genetic hand she was dealt. Her example is one to live by amazing isn't it yeah so like you know move your body and keep your mind active are both those are the the messages and takeaways that I was taking out of that part of the book which I was just pumped about so yeah so yeah um all right what about you what did you take away from the book Jenny well firstly I I really appreciate hearing what you think of the book because I definitely put a lot more stock in your opinion um given that you are a healthcare provider so I think for me, it's interesting to kind of hear your take on it because I'm just a regular old dum dum in oh, the general come on. population. Oh, come and on. I well, I don't have the uh, sheer volume of education and knowledge that you do um, about our bodies and and all of that. I mean, I certainly have my own specialties, uh, as you and I discussed earlier. 
um, such as knowing the latest about every celebrity. Um, <laughs> but this is an area where I have a gap in, in knowledge and I, and I find it interesting. So I appreciate hearing what you think of it. Um, and frankly, seeing how excited you get about it and how many tabs, like little paper tabs did you have in your book? Because oh. I feel like I could see some flags sticking out of it when you were paging through. Yeah, there's probably about 60. But that's how I when I read a book, especially a nonfiction book, that's how I roll. Like I'll put like a little tab anywhere I find something interesting. And sometimes if I'm really hardcore, I'll go back and I'll make notes in a separate little book of the takeaways that I took out of a book. So that's your Gretchen showing. Well, I am the obliger hoping to be an upholder. So I never quite get there, though. So I'm working towards it. Yeah. So the interesting thing. So this book. So I ended up going on YouTube and looking up the author and just to kind of get some more information. And I watched um, several talks that he had done. Um, A lot of them were... uh, even like, I, I don't know if it was maybe part of a book tour or something that he was doing when this came out. Um, but he was speaking on, on the subject matter in this book. So it was interesting to hear him talk about it, uh, to an audience as well. So I thought that that, I thought that that was interesting to kind of read some of the things in the book, but then also hear him talk about it, um, as well. So that was, that was cool. And I recommend, you know, if people are interested, like for those who maybe aren't interested in reading the book, Maybe that's an interesting way to kind of hear some more about what he has to say. And he probably doesn't, I, I didn't watch it, but is it, is it fair to say that he didn't go as much into the weeds of all that like neuroscience-y geek talk? Yeah. So that would be a perfect way to, to hear about yes. the information. Okay, cool. So in general, reading this book helped me kind of get my mind around the importance of exercise and on all areas of life as a way to general health and not just focused on weight loss or training for an event, which in my mind, I think um, exercise can kind of get pigeonholed into. Um, So I thought that that was great. Um, Chapter eight specifically dealt with women's health and hormones. And I found that chapter to be very insightful. I actually kind of jumped around in this book. I didn't uh, go through sequentially. I read kind of like chapters as I found them interesting. Um, And I found that chapter to be very insightful, uh, especially with how, you know, you spoke about this a little bit earlier with how women can um, regulate hormone shifts that happen throughout their life. I'd never really put a lot of thought into how different men's and women's bodies are in regards to hormone cycles. And I think that that's something as females, it makes sense to learn a lot about, uh, especially if you're, you know, kind of at the stages of life that you and I are, um, where you kind of have those things kind of on the horizon to think about. So I also really like the parts can, that can, before dealt- you get into this next part, can I just interrupt yeah. for one second? So I, when you read this, especially because if we go back in time three weeks and you were hesitant about exercise in general, was reading this book a good confirmation for you that you're doing the right stuff? And did it help you look at exercise in a different way? It made me look at exercise almost in the way that I would look at taking a vitamin or doing something like that, like just doing something good for your health rather than like a, I think because we've talked about this before that I'm not competitive. I'm not really like a raw, raw person. So I find it hard to get like amped about exercise. But I think that for me, like looking at it in more of a, like a pragmatic approach, like, no, like this is the benefits. This is what it will do. Um, and looking at it more in, in that kind of a, a light, that's what it helped me with. Cool. Like, okay. 
it helped me think about, like I have uh, grandparents in their 90s who are still living in their two-story house with, you know, their washrooms upstairs. And like, I mean, they're, they're aging, but they're still doing it. And I think like, I kind of feel like I have the benefit of some good genetics behind me. And so I think like, so if I can keep active, and I mean, that's a common thing in my family is um, they're, you know, people who are always kind of did like got to be doing things and up and, and Adam, they're, they're not the type to sit around. So I think, I feel like I have an advantage that I need to take it. I need to take that and run with it and make sure that I harness that. Okay, cool. So that said, um, I like the parts about children and learning and how exercise can prime their brains to be better ready to learn. Um, that's something that I certainly will put into practice with Ethan, whether it's working on reading or writing or those times when you need to have a discussion about perhaps behavior or expectations. It makes a lot of sense to have a bit of an exercise first to get your brain into that receptive mode and kind of get that energy out. Um, there's a whole part of the book that discusses the school children in Naperville, Illinois, and the way they were really able to do their best learning by strategically using exercise prior to learning. It was so clear through that research when you looked at it that that made a huge difference to those children. And I will say, um, in my prior life, when I worked for the school board, I remember um, it was at a time when when this really was uh, being looked at. And they were, do you remember cup stacking? Uh, I know. Yeah, I know what that is. It yeah. Was, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. when you would take... Well, they were doing that um, with classes of children prior to math. So they would have them outside, they would come in from recess, and they would do cup stacking, and then they would move into math. And so the foundation with the school board that I worked for, we were um, giving grants to buy these cup stacking kits because it was really showing a lot of great results with these kids. And I think especially for boys, um, they need this. And I think as as a mom of a boy... It's, um, you know, or a mom of any child who's active, you know, I hate to stereotype on gender, but frankly, it's kind of how it is, um, but ways to help them kind of harness their energy and, and channel it. So I thought it was uh, very interesting. Those, and those two spe- like the women's health and the, um, children and learning, those were the two parts that for me were the most interesting. Awesome. All right. And uh, we want to hear if you read the book and what your takeaways were. So as always, send us an email at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com or catch us on the socials. Use the hashtag theimprovementproject to get our attention. Jenny is on Twitter at jkouse and I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. All right, now it's time for a segment where we dig a little deeper into our personalities called Who Are You Anyway? We will take a question and each give our perspective on the topic with the goal of understanding ourselves a little bit better. This week's Who Are You Anyway question is, when someone is trying to convince you of something, like that you should exercise regularly, for example, are you more likely to be persuaded by emotion, peer pressure, passion, or by good solid facts and figures similar to some of the info in this month's book? So for me, I would say I'm a mixture. If I'm intrigued by by what someone is telling me because they anecdotally have had a great experience and they're all fired up about it, then I'm, I'm usually intrigued enough to go to the books and look for evidence to validate or to get more information. And in saying this, I am aware that most people are guilty of only finding evidence that backs up the, what information you want to be true. Um, but it is my hope that after all those years of education that I've got, that hopefully I've got some critical thinking skills and that I'm good at finding information that will allow me to get, make a good, good decision. And I'm also fascinated by the answer to this question because as a healthcare provider... 
I'm often trying to persuade people to make changes to their health. So this may come back to our online pretend best friend Gretchen's four tendencies that we've discussed in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And I tried, I liked this question. Um, and it, and it kind of made me think it took me a minute to think about how I am, but I, I have to admit, I am pretty skeptical and I tend to resist when pushed. So for me, the cold, hard facts would tend to appeal more than like someone being amped, like someone being really jazzed up about something sends me the other way. Really? Like, yet my radar goes up. I'm like, eh, this sounds fishy. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I think I can be pretty uh, skeptical. Um, Does it depend on the person? Does it depend on who it is that's jazzed up about it? Yeah. Yeah, probably a little bit. Okay. But I would say... I think the thing for me is if I see a genuine shift in someone, that's a motivator for me. And oh. it, it could be someone who isn't, you know, outwardly, you know, like, hey, I'm doing this and you should do it too. But someone who just you see a shift and then you ask them about it, that tends to be more interesting to me rather than if they're coming at me about it. I, I, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that is. A but a, bit like, of a that's rebel why, in you. See, and that's what I kind of wondered. I thought, ooh, do I have a little bit of that? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, I find when someone's trying to convince me of something, yeah, I think I tend to push back a little bit. It's definitely got to be my own idea and I have to have my own reasons. Okay. But I would say I, I like, I mean, like, so to bring it back to this book, like, you know, seeing that data, like for myself, like I have to have my reasons for doing it. And they can't be someone else's. And I think that that's, that should be how it is for all of us, right? If you're going to do something in a sustainable way, you have to have your reasons of why you want to do it. It can't be your neighbors, your moms, your sisters, you know, if it's going to be for you, it's got to be why you want to do it. Well, that brings us back to what you and I often talk about, which is intentional living, right? So Mm -hmm. if you have an intention to do something in your world, then you're doing it for you. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Dope. 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 So now it is time for what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk to each other about what podcasts we've been listening to or what books we've been reading or just what random internet hilarity we have found and we feel like you might find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we are loving, that we find useful or practical or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. So today I'm digging notes from the universe. And have you ever heard about this before, Jenny? No. Okay. So I can't remember who recommended it to me, but I, at first speaking of like being talked into something or being persuaded at first, I was like, well, I don't know. But then I checked it out. So it's at www.tut.com. So TUT stands for the universe talks, which sounds (laughs) kind of like woohoo and out there. So I went and you sign up for these notes and they personalize them a bit for your own goals and your own situation. And then every day you get a little note from the universe. So it's described on the website as free personalized reminders of life's magic and your power. So I love them so much. It's just like this little like couple of sentences that shows up in your email inbox every morning. And it's kind of like a little pat on the back to tell you that you're on the right path. So I'll give you a couple of examples. So today's note that I got from the universe was, yo ho ho, Peggy, it's time for more good news and bad news. The bad news is that there are going to be a few more challenges, right? That's the good news too. Each proving that you're even greater, cooler, and more lovable than you now realize. You're welcome, the universe. So that was one. great. Right. It's just like the cutest. So another one, another example is 
The difference between how you sometimes see yourself, Peggy, and how I see you could be summed up like this. You wonder at times, what is it you might do that you'd be wildly successful at? And I wonder at times how you seem to miss that you already are. Crazy wild, the universe. So, and these are fantastic. Well, and almost every day it's like this where I go, oh, thanks. And then I delete it and move on to the next email or like move on to my next task. It's just this cute little like, like gives me a little like, you're doing the good stuff, Peg. Keep it up. So yes, my little little notes from the universe. So if you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes at uh, www.drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast or sorry drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast and uh and then you can get your own notes from the universe too how about you I jenny think i think i'm gonna have to sign up for that that All sounds right. kind of precious it is kind of I precious what are you digging so the thing i'm digging is not something new and it is not internet based it is so this is this odd thing and I ended up, someone was, ta- I think it was on a website or something. Someone was talking about it and I was like, oh, that's something I do. And I didn't realize it was a thing. So, and it might seem, seem kind of counter to what people would think is a good idea, but, um, I don't know. I want to say for maybe two, three years now in the evening, I, to take off eye makeup, cause I wear mascara I take, I use, um, coconut oil and I take some of it. I rub it all over my face and it breaks up the, um, mascara and I kind of like rinse it off. And then I take like a really warm washcloth, like running really hot water and then kind of just like hold it on my face. It just feels really nice. I just love that warm washcloth at night. So I have found if I do this every night, my skin is pretty clear and it's not to say that it's the thing that makes my skin clear, but it definitely helps. And I would have thought that I would get oily skin from putting oil on my all over my face at night, but it, it has the opposite effect. It seems to kind of balance it out. And it was funny because it's just one of those things that you kind of just do and you don't really think about it. You just kind of do it and it seems to work. So it's like, no, keep doing this because it takes off the makeup and does the thing and it's something I already have. So it's easy. Um, but I was reading about it and these women were talking about how using oil as a cleanser. And I was like, Oh, that's like a thing that I actually do. So I thought that was interesting. And we were talking about things that are digging. I thought, well, maybe if someone out there, and maybe this is one of those things that everybody else knows about and it's like a thing and I'm the last one to know, but I've been doing it for a couple of years and I really like it. So awesome. I don't think, I don't think you're the last one to know. I think that's going to help some people for sure. Cause you're right. I think a lot of people would find that counterintuitive to put oil on their face, especially if they have skin issues, but there is yeah. something about it that seems, I, I don't use coconut oil, but the stuff I put on my skin is just a mixture of oils and it's very ah. greasy and oily, but my skin is way better when I use it versus when I don't. So there's yeah. something about it. Yeah. You so. go down to the Costco, you get the giant thing of coconut oil, and you're good for like three years. There you go. Coconut oil. Awesome. You, I mean, you do have to have a forklift to get at home. <laughs> <laughs> True. If you're going down to the Costco. Side note, if anybody wants to go in on a giant thing of coconut oil with me, I'm looking for 16 individuals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's um... For 10 cubic yards of coconut oil. <laughs> All right, Uh, let's segue into something we call you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. 
These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. All right, I got the win this week, and I am very proud to say that instead of being a total sprinter, I was only partially a sprinter. I finished the book, and I was prepared before our recording tonight. Yay for me! I'm going to start a slow clap. Slow clap. (laughs) Thanks, Jenny. Way to go, buddy. Good for you. So my, I have the learn this week, and I would say I learned in the last week that it was like a, this last week was a good reminder that life happens. I get pretty dialed in when I'm on a streak with something. So for example, meditating or whatever the challenge is, I get real jazzed about those gold stars each day and I like get really bothered by um, breaking a streak. Um, and I think that that's the kind of like that tendency again. Is it upholder? Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm-hmm. the upholder thing. Um, so getting sidelined by the flu was frustrating, but it reminded me to give myself a little grace and to treat my body well by just giving in and giving it the rest that it needed and not feeling bad about it, letting go of that feeling of, dang, I had this streak going and just you know, realizing that on the days I'm feeling well, exercise is what's treating my body well. On when I'm feeling sick and I'm not well, resting is what is good for my body. So that's what I learned. Awesome. Well said, Jenny. That's good. And I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm so glad I'm feeling better. Look at world. I feel great. (laughs) So next week, if you can believe it, is the final week for our exercise challenge. And we're going to chat about our next challenge for the month of October. All right, and that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Remember to let us know if you read the book Spark and what your takeaways were. Also, let us know if you like these monthly book reports. We love our own conversations a lot, but if there is something that you are finding especially interesting or conversely, especially annoying or not entertaining, we want to know about it. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. It really helps other people to find the podcast so that we can help as many people as possible to create new habits. We would love to connect on the socials. You can always get our attention on the socials by using the hashtag uh, Improvement Project. We also have a Facebook group. Search for the Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. I don't, I want to figure out how to block people.com from all of my devices because it is a full on, like, I wish I knew how to quit you situation, like Brokeback Mountain. Uh, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 